This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. The views expressed by guests on this program do not necessarily represent the views of the host or owners of the Doggy Diva Show and do not necessarily constitute endorsement of products. Medical information discussed by guests on this program are those of the guests and is only for informational purposes and should not replace medical advice by your local veterinarian professional. Hello, everyone. This is Susan Marie from the Doggy Diva Show. This week, protecting your pet from heartworm, what to do if you have a picky eater for a pet, and some unusual training tips from someone who has trained hundreds of military dogs. That's what's on our show this week. Let's get started. Hey, did you hear that? What is that? It's the bark heard round the world. The Doggy Diva Show. Here's Susan Marie. Hi, welcome to the Doggy Diva Show, the show for animal lovers. I'm your host, Susan Marie, and as always, I'm joined by my canine co-hosts, the Doggy Divas themselves, Francesca, Coco, and our newest little diva, Miss Olive. Miss Olive is the cute little Italian greyhound rescue in the picture with the microphone. Thank you for joining us today as we bring the experts in the pet and animal world right to you. Email us at doggydivashow at aol.com. That's D-O-G-G-Y. D-I-V-A show at AOL.com. We love hearing from you. So go grab a cup of coffee and your pet's favorite treat, and we'll be back in just a moment. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. And we are here with Monica Layton, the president of Professional Pet Sitting. And she's got a great tip, pet tip of the week this week. I myself know I just took my girls in for their their annual. And they all had to go through the heartworm prevention, you know, for the test for that. And, of course, we're all, we're all good. And then I don't know if people understand the importance of heartworm prevention. Can you, like, talk to us about that? I mean, I know heartworm prevention has been around for a long period of time. Um, but it... it it's amazing to me that, you know, clients will come in and they're just, I don't know if we don't talk about it as much as we used to, but they're saying, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that, you know, I, I had to do that or no, they're not on something. And um, it, it's really, really a bad disease for your pet to get. Um, heartworms are transmitted through mosquitoes. So if your pet's outside going to the bathroom or you get a mosquito in the house, any kind of bite can transfer the larvae of the heartworm if that 
larvae is found inside that mosquito. We do have a high prevalence in our area. Um, of course, you know, all over the U.S., pets are getting heartworms. There is a great organization that really compiles all these results um, that I always like to share with clients just to let them know, you know, that it is really prevalent. And you can go and to the website and look in your area and your specific county um, for the entire U.S. and through Canada to see exactly how prevalent um, heartworms are, your tick-borne diseases like your Lyme's disease, anaplasmosis. Um, also for cats, it'll tell you the prevalence of feline leukemia and FIV in your area. It'll also tell you um, the prevalence on internal parasites. Are they seeing roundworms, hookworms? How many cases? Um, each and every month for each and every county. So you can go online anywhere where you live. Um, the website is www.capcvet.org. And for example, in Florida, um, just for the month of June this year, they had 997 cases of heartworm diagnosed, and those were just reported cases. So that means they just simply tested positive that month. That doesn't mean, you know, that the number of pets up there that haven't been diagnosed yet, that simply have it and they do not know. Um, and last year alone for 2017, Florida saw over 10,000 heartworm positive dogs that tested positive. So it is... It is around. It is out there. The preventions are very, very easy. They've got chews that you can give once a month. Um, they have an injection. ProHeart, um, you can give the injection and it lasts six months. So that way you just have to go to your vets every six months, have the injection done. There's so many ways out there. So whatever is more convenient for you and your family, if you can give something monthly, great. If not, you can go the injection route, but there's a lot of options out there. Um, you know, you, they have a lot of rebates on those items. You can price shop online, see if your vet will price match items like that for you. Um, if money is the issue, but I always tell clients just to make sure, please, 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 that you're always making sure that your pet is on a heartworm prevention because it really takes a toll on their poor little bodies. The heartworms get in there. They have so many issues and the treatment for it is, is rough on them as well. You have to be really concerned um, when you do the treatment, when the bloods, the, the worms actually disintegrate into the bloodstream and you can get clotting issues. There's just, just a plethora of issues that can go on between having the heartworms and the damage they do before it's treated and then also issues that can occur during treatment. So if we can simply get our pets on the heartworm prevention and not have them go through that, you can maintain years onto the pet's life. And I, and when they're going through the heartworm, um, if they're being treated for it, they have to actually almost stay like in a confined area. They stay in their crate. They have to be kept as calm as possible. And you really have to work really closely with your veterinarian because have been, having been in rescue for so long, I know that some of the pets that we would get in that they would have to go into, it's almost like a quarantine to help them to get over to heal from the heartworm and it's so great when they do but to see a heartworm positive dog is always always it's sad for the dog and it's actually sad um, to actually be a part of the process because it's so you want to make sure that they get well and it's kind of a long process and you have to be very patient and you know calm as the process going on. 
I mean, that's a huge part of it. And so, you know, definitely everybody go on out there and just check where you live. See what kind of prevalence you have for the, you know, some of the different things. And if you're in an area that is in a high risk or even moderate area, then there should be no questions. You definitely need to be on it. But it's um, www.capcvet.org. And check it out. Check out your local county. Check out your state. And it'll tell you really what you need to be concerned about and talk to your veterinarian about it. Thank you, Monica. As always, invaluable information. Thanks. Have a great week. Hello, everyone. Miss Olive and Sophia the Doggy Diva are so happy that their first book in the Doggy Diva Diary series, Miss Olive Finds Her Forever Home, is now available at online book retailers. So please visit Miss Olive and Sophia at www.thedoggydiva.com, that's D-O-G-G-Y-D-I-V-A, to order your copy now. And they hope that you love reading Miss Olive Finds Her Forever ever home as much as they loved writing it. Thank you. Coming up, is your dog a picky eater? We've got the answer for you. Stay tuned. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Kitty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. As a pet parent, do you ever wonder why your dogs are picky eaters? Well, we may just have the answer today. We are welcoming Kim Gablin, Senior Marketing Manager at Bill Jack Foods. Hey, Kim, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, our pleasure. Now, this is one of the things, of course, it's so stressful in my house when someone doesn't eat. But, you know, you as the expert, can you just explain a little bit about this little problem we have with picky eaters? Yes, you know, I I think that uh, there are a lot of different things that make us crazy about our dogs, but them being picky and not eating well is one of those things that drives us all crazy, right? It's one of the things that makes us concerned. And so, um, you know, I I do hear from a lot of um, dog parents who talk about, you know, their their dogs not eating regularly, or, you know, they might have to sit on on the floor and feed them. They have to feed them treats because they can't get them to eat food. Um, so, there, I mean, there are a lot of things that can be very frustrating about a dog that is picky. It is. Why are some dogs, do you know why dogs are picky eaters? 
We know that there's a variety of reasons, and I think, you know, it's really important to talk about, you know, when we talk about picky eaters, we're talking about typically the definition of picky eater is a dog that is not eating once a day, right? So if they're skipping meals for a whole day, um, that's, you know, that's typically what we define as a dog who is a picky eater. And so, you know, if you're having those kinds of issues, you know, some dogs love to eat, right? Just like people, they live to eat. And then just like people, there are some dogs who, you know, that pick kind of here and there, they kind of eat, you know, eat to live. And so depending on the kind of dog you have, you know, that could, you know, some of their picky problems could stem from that. If you've adopted a dog, you know, sometimes the circumstances that they come from can also cause eating issues. You know, so um, for example, you know, if it was highly competitive to eat, um, they may be a little bit shy about eating. Um, or not feel comfortable about eating. Um, so, uh, you know, it really just depends, you know, on your dog. You know, we're certainly talking about, you know, I think that the important thing, too, is, you know, we, we're also talking, not talking about dogs that might be sick, right? So if your dog yeah, is maybe... That's what, yeah, when you know, does it really become a problem? Right, right. So, you know, if they're, if they're not vomiting, if they're, you know, so if they're not vomiting, if they're not having diarrhea, um, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, healthy and active and alert, otherwise, you know, those are, those are the signs that they're a picky eater, but it's not really interfering with anything else. But if they're having other signs, then, then we also want to make sure that, you know, that may, may mean that you need to go to the vet, right? You may need to talk to your vet about how is your dog doing and maybe that pickiness is being caused by them not feeling well. But, you know, by and by, many of the picky eaters and the parents we talk to, they talk about their dog being picky just, you know, since they had them or, you know, they've, they've pretty much been like that most of the time that they've been with them. Well, um, and that's a good point because if your dog is picky and if you feel if there is some vomiting or some diarrhea or if it's going on for a long period of time, definitely go see your doctor, your vet. Um, what are some tips for dog parents who have picky eaters to, to help them along? You know, I, you know, there's a couple different things that you can do, you know, certainly, um, as you're thinking about it, it's important to first of all start with a plan and be consistent, right? So if you want to be able to, um, you know, have your dog eat, you want to think about, you know, when will you feed them and, and, um, and, you know, think about that. Think about what foods you're feeding them. You know, have you tried a new food? Maybe, maybe the food you're giving them isn't a food that they particularly love. And so, you know, seeking out other foods may be a good option. Um, but it's also important when you're in this planning stage to think about the whole family. You know, because if, you know, if one of your family members, for example, might be sneaking them, you know, people food yeah. or maybe giving, you know, maybe giving them a ton of treats, you know, that also could help your dog become picky. <laughs> and we do have those sometimes in our household. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, so it's really important. It's really important to make sure that everyone in the household knows how important this is, that it's really important for your dog to have their food every day, right? They get all their nutrients from that food, and if they're not getting, you know, if they're not eating that one or two times a day like they're supposed to be, then they're going to be missing those nutrients, right? And if you're trying to make up for that with human food or um, if you're just feeding them treats, you're not going to get that whole complete and balanced kind of diet, and there are going to be some things that are lacking in their diet. So, you know, it's great, you know, if your dog's not feeling well and you're, you know, giving them a little bit of chicken and rice because their stomach is upset, that's one thing. But to feed them that on a regular basis, that's not going to have all the nutrients they need to be able to be healthy and happy. Well, can you tell us about Bill Jack Picky No More? Yeah, you know, um, certainly, you know, we, because of this issue, you know, because we've had a lot of pet parents talk to us about their concerns, um, you know, we, we, our food is really very palatable, but we really felt like we wanted to take it up a notch, right? So we've added chicken liver 
into the food. And so it really gives it an outstanding taste, um, and, it, and it really it smells good. It's slow-cooked. Um, so it uses a lot of fresh chicken, and then we add the chicken liver, and then we slow cook all of it together, and that really helps it have a really great taste. So then you know that it's nutritious, but in addition, and you don't have to tell them this is also delicious, right? So, um, so we really wanted to do that because we get so many pet parents who are telling us that they have challenges with picky eaters. One thing that that you started to sell, probably like within the last six months to a year, the stews, the little Bill Jack stews. Could they be used like as a topper or something to entice even more? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, some dogs, you know, you may be able to just feed a dry food um, and some dogs and, and some pet parents like to be able to feed some other things. So we do offer some different kinds of wet foods that you can add to your diet um, and you can kind of mix them in a little bit with your dry food. We have um, some chunky products that are out there that are stews. And then we also have a, um, it's relatively new, it's out for the last year. It's called pate platters. And they're actually, it's like a pate, it's like a ground up, food and we have four different varieties of that and that's that's really great because that's um you know you can um it's got a lid on it a plastic lid actually and so you can actually open it up it's a can you open up the can you're able to feed a little bit you know i pop the lid back on of it on it and then pop it in the refrigerator and so um you can you know, still feed it over that week and it's really you know it's really good and you can just use a little bit of it you don't have to use the whole can all at one time that's great and those pates are great i i you know having used them, seen them there. It's something that I believe that people who also like to use canned food or wet food, this is a great way to mix it all up so that it's something that your pet has that uh, it's palatable. And also the picky no more food also makes it palatable. Having a picky eater in my house, I know that. Yes, you know, it's always it's always better to, you know, to think about if you'd like to feed that extra variety, give them that variety in that wet food as opposed to giving that to them, again, in, in people food, which could, you know, give them a lot more calories than you're thinking, you know, it's really it is to your dog. So so we, we want to be able to make mealtime fun and exciting, but also delicious, too. Oh, I'm all in for that. <laughs> and uh, I got Francesca and Coco and Olive looking at me go, sign me up. We're in for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kim, where can the listeners go to learn more about Bell Jack? Yeah, you know, I always suggest that you start at our website. It's uh, belljack.com. It's B-I-L-J-A-C.com. And we've got a lot of information out there, obviously a lot of information about food, but we also have a lot of information about just taking care of your dog, you know, fun things to do with your dog, uh, questions you might have about nutrition and well-being and, you know, just having some fun training, you know, those kinds of things. We've got some great training videos by Joel Silverman that uh, he helps us with. And so there's a lot of good uh, opportunities to get out there and learn a little bit more about your dog and to find some new kind of fun things to do with them too. Absolutely. And also, you know, I love it, the newsletter. Yes, yes. We have our Best Friends Club and you can sign up there. Um, you, it's just, it's really easy. You can um, sign up and you can get information like tips and li- like little stories we send out every month. And then we also have an opportunity for you to uh, get a special offer as well. So it's, it's kind of fun, uh, fun for you and fun for your dog, hopefully, to be able to get some of those tips. And then, you know, we're also out on social media. So you can find us at um, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Instagram. So um, come out and, you know, join our community and be able to uh, tell us more about your dog so we can learn more about uh, you too as well. You know, there's so much to learn. There's so, And I love your newsletter. There's so much that I learned from it. So that's something I look forward to every month. So uh, as always, Kim, you helped us with a big problem. I thank you very much. Yeah, get out there and help your picky dog be picky no more. <laughs> thank you very much. We'll be back in just a minute. Coming up. 
new ideas for training your dog, what your body language says. Stay with us. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Doggy Diva Show. Jeff Franklin is regarded as one of the world's leading dog trainers, not only for pet dogs, but Jeff is also responsible for overseeing the selection and instruction of all the elite canines assigned to the U.S. military. Jeff Franklin's unbelievable career is profiled in the new book, Franklin, the Man Behind the United States Commando Dogs by Matthew Duffy. It chronicles his story of building the first-of-a-kind dog program for top-tier task force within the permanent branch of the United States military. And we are so honored and we are so happy to have with us today, Jeff Franklin. Welcome, Jeff. How are you? Good morning. I am great. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Now, your life is, as I said, it's an inspiring story, but your life is absolutely amazing and what you've done. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, so I started off training dogs as a hobby, believe it or not, as a kid. Uh, it progressed from there. I spent some time in the Marine Corps. Um, I wanted to be a canine cop since I was in middle school, and uh, I did some time with that and learned how to play with uh, police dogs and SWAT dogs, and eventually I was uh, recruited by the U.S. government to do some other projects. And now some of those projects that you did, and they were detailed in this book, which is a phenomenal book, by the way. I'm, I, I advise people to get it because you're not going to be able to put it down. It reads like an action. In fact, I could see a movie coming out of this, an action-packed thriller. It was so, so, so good. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that you did with, uh, with the military dogs and that, uh, that training program you created? So my task was um, to basically take what I'd my experience that I had in law enforcement and SWAT teams and teach military operators how to effectively use dogs in very similar type scenarios. Obviously, they're overseas, so there are some differences, but um, there's a lot of people that are really good with tactics and learning uh, that know how to move through buildings and, and find bad guys. But when you throw in a live animal that's wanting to do the same thing, sometimes they don't know how to operate together. So I, I kind of came up with a... Uh, plan on how to integrate our police canines or our military canines in with the operators at the same time so they both can do their jobs simultaneously. Because uh, when I first started in this, it was always separate. You know, if you, The guys were either doing their clearance or the dog was in the building and no one else was allowed to be around it because it was some monster that was going to eat everybody. So we took very, very highly motivated dogs that were super social and with the right handlers and uh, operators, and we mixed them together where they could uh, be effective together. Well, I found it interesting when I read the like, I'll use the dog Bosco. You said, want to go to work. I believe that was the command that they knew how to shift from being in their crate, just like 
relaxing to, okay, I'm going to get to work now, that there's like you had different code words that actually brought them, got their attention, and they responded. I mean, it was amazing the way they responded, and they were like, by you, they were side by side. They mimicked your movements. In um, I don't want to give the book away, but I mean, there's so much. <laughs> there's so much that was going. I was like, my heart was racing. I couldn't wait to get to the next page. But it well, was amazing gonna, how he was just like by your side. I mean, mimicking your movements, and it, it was like a, a. Even though he was your canine, he was a canine partner. It was almost like a human. Well, it, it does feel like a human when you're the handler of dogs like this and you really know each other's every movements. And I'm going to tell a trade secret. It doesn't really matter what word I say. It's mostly how I say it and what the body language says. Mm. So I could I, I, I could say peanut butter in the right tone of voice and have the right body language. My do- dogs are going to be ready to go. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of people, and I think we briefly talked about this earlier, that there's, uh, you know, start, well, I'm going to use certain language commands for my dogs. And it, to be honest, it doesn't really matter what we say nearly as much as how and when we say it. And dogs are masters at body language. I, I think I could probably convince my dog it's time to go to work. Right? No, I could without even saying one word. And it, it's because and if you think about it, they don't talk to each other much. You know, no. <laughs> you know it's a, so if there's an animal on this planet that knows body language, it's dogs. They are the they are the ultimate masters of body language for sure. I have someone that I know who has a personal uh, protection dog and actually a couple of people. And they, the one that I know is it, re, the dog responds to the commands are in another language and she does have body commands too. And she's with it all the time. You train canine protection dogs as well as other dogs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yep. I'm going to tell you another trade secret that's going to be funny for you. We really don't train personal protection dogs. Um, it's all about the dog selection. Um, you know, I use silly analogies a lot, but no one trained LeBron James how to play basketball. Somebody just, just let him do it. And it's, I think for dogs, if we look at any job, but specifically we're talking about personal protection, if we select the right dog to do this, really what we're doing is we're teaching the humans how to handle this animal because God taught them how to do it when they were born. And um, a lot of the times I think people rely too much on what they consider training. Yeah. And what we rely on is what is the dog's natural ability. Bosco, for example, if he didn't have the genetics and the natural drive to do that work, no trainer in the world could teach him to do the stuff that he did in his working days. It was very good, Bosco was. <laughs> <laughs> so it, with, with, with the personal protection dogs, I think one of the, you know, we have to select the right dog. And, and the training really is about how to turn the dog on, how to turn the dog off, um, teaching the handlers, you know, those, those type of things. And then also, you, you don't want a dog, or I don't, I should say, that's not social. A dog still has to be able to yeah. hang out with people, friends and family, but turn it on when they need to. You know, sometimes people think protection dogs or military dogs or police dogs can't be social, but there's a lot of people that, there's a lot of humans that do those same jobs and, you know, they go to Walmart and Target and they shop like normal human beings until it's time to go to work. And the best working dogs are the same way. They should be able to have a normal life and they go to work when it's time to work. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I, I so believe that, you know, especially like when a military dog retires or a police dog, you know, a canine in the, in, you know, that's a, in the military or police or wherever it is needs to, when they retire or something, they need the social skills too. They, you know, so it's like good to have that balance. In addition to all those amazing stories and, and all the, those amazing dogs you've trained around the world, oh my word, um, they're so highly skilled, but you also train at uh, Cobra Canine, you train pet dogs. Now, can I ask you a couple of questions about uh, pet dogs? Sure, sure, of course. I'm going to ask you this first one because um, I have a I have a problem with one of my dogs. Can you give us some advice, like if your dog barks a lot or begs for food or is like jumping, like when you have guests coming? Is there some good advice for that? I have two good ones, and I have, I have a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's the the thing that we teach i think that is a, a lot different uh, again you probably you've probably heard this already and i'll, I'll say it again I, I do things a little bit different but i do it because it works so for example most of the time you, you referenced a, a dog earlier that went to training class and it didn't make it or whatever if i have a dog that for example you just named barking jumping begging for food it, and you could list a long list of mm -hmm. manners that we wouldn't want a dog to do the number one mistake that in I hope people don't get mad at me, but the number one mistake dog trainers do is they try to convince the dog to do something else. So, hey, go get on your bed or go sit down or go lie down or go do whatever instead of addressing the problem. I can fix 90% of what people's problems are with their dogs without using one command. You don't need commands. You need to tell the dog to stop doing whatever that behavior is so they can understand it. Dogs don't understand avoidance behavior like, like humans do, so they don't process the information the same way. So, for example... If Alpha Dog, it's his turn to eat and someone else tries to interrupt him, he doesn't say, hey, go over there and lay on the rock and wait for me to finish. He, he roughs him up around the neck and says, hey, do whatever you want to do, but don't bother me while I'm eating. And it's kind of the way I look at it in, and in my house. It, dogs just don't come in the kitchen. If they come in the kitchen, I tell them not to come in the kitchen. They can go do whatever else they want. I don't care. But they're not allowed in the kitchen. And the same thing when we have people over. You can say hi to them, but you can't jump. So there has to be a and there's a whole list of it, the whole, you know, a whole list of things that you could do for that. But it has to be some sort of negative consequence that says, hey, you're not allowed to jump. And you have to be very black and white. The rules have to be the same all the time, but that really throws dogs into a frenzy. If the rules are, are gray, they're never going to understand not to jump or not to pull on the leash or not to beg for food or all the things that people want their dogs not to do. So if we look at it from a dog's perspective, and we just make it simple and says, here's the 10 things you're not allowed to do. And we reinforce that every single time. Uh, pretty quickly, that behavior is going to go away. One of the things that you and I talked off about as we were off mic, I talked about what about dogs who have gone through obedience school, but they're still not really obedient and they have bad manners. So that frustrates everybody because, again, I'm not trying to pick on uh, any particular training system, but dog trainers that I run across uh, all across the world, they, they focus on things like he'll sit down and stay. Well, even if your dog, this is let's pretend you said earlier you had a rebel, even if your rebel was really good at those things, that doesn't make the rebel good at behaving. There's a big difference between doing obedience commands and having manners or behaving. So you could go through 10 obedience classes, and if it's not addressed on how to give a, a negative consequence to a bad behavior, then you're still not going to be happy. You might have a dog that sits really nice, but when it's not sitting, it might just be a terror. So it doesn't, when we see dogs, whether they came from the shelter 
uh, and they've never had any work whatsoever, or if they've been to three different obedience schools, we evaluate them and we try to address what the owner's biggest problems are. And then we work from there because I don't really, I think I probably give my dog maybe five commands a week. <laughs> I just don't, I don't give them many commands. She just doesn't need them. I, I taught her how to behave. See, that's like, and with the one that I'm talking about, she knows her sit, her stay, her down, her, you know, play. She knows everything. I have to feed her in her crate so she doesn't attack the other two. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like when we have people come, she just goes. And so I have to, like, actually gate her in a back room, kind of have her little safe space. And I'm talking about a dog that's, like, six pounds. So, but she thinks she's... She could probably come work for you. She thinks she's one of your dogs. She ha she well, has that I, big dog mentality. She's fierce, but she's a love a love muffin. But I mean, when she <laughs> goes into mode, man, she is like the protector of the house. And the other two go, "Oh, okay, you can go do the work. We're just going to sit over here." Well, I, I might I might need a dog that size. I'm you know uh, <laughs> over the year the older I get, the less I want dogs as big as Bosco. I can tell you that it's a lot to handle. <laughs> so. Uh, but I think if even with your dog, with her, if, if she had, you know, if you were to say, okay, this is my negative reinforcement for whatever the behavior is, and I'm going to use this reinforcement every single time, that behavior will eventually be, and it should be extinct pretty quick. Dogs, are, they learn really fast when you give them options. What you're really doing, and I'm not beating you up, I'm just being honest, <laughs> what you're doing, you're you're avoiding the problem by putting her behind the gate. So yeah, that's, I think that's you my know, lesser so, of two evils is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you you and everyone else, that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the go. And it's also sometimes um, the, the whole, I don't mind teaching the dog to go to their place or go to their bed. I think it's a good idea. But if we're doing that to avoid a problem, we're still not fixing the problem. And, and that makes so much sense. And, and these are things, again, that you teach. Here we are. We're in the midst, still summer. It's still hot. We're in Florida. It's, it, it's dis disgustingly hot. How do you keep your <laughs> Oh my gosh. How do you keep your dogs so well exercised without like overheating them in the heat with this kind of heat? Well, we're not in, Florida, but it's still not very nice out right now in uh, Virginia and California and some of the other places that work in the Midwest. And so there's a couple of key things. One, we have to realize that the dog has a fur coat and you, they're just not designed to be out at two o'clock in the afternoon when it's 95 degrees with 3000% humidity. Just have to be very careful with them with that. The second thing is it's conditioning, like for even for as a human, you, to some degree, you can teach yourself or teach your dog to tolerate a lot of things if you give yourself time and give them time to get used to it. So it takes a, some of that as well. They have to just get, it just takes time. It takes weeks, takes months. But the conditioning for us, we, we the better the dog is conditioned, the better they can uh, tolerate the heat. So for example, um, even this morning, Abigail and I went four miles, but it was way before the sun came up. We're not going to go out there in the middle of the day and run when it's, uh, you know, the sun's beating down on us and, and it's as hot as it can be. And we also recommend, you know, depending on the dog, uh, maybe some dogs only can walk. So walk them when it's dark out or when, when the sun first comes up or when the sun goes down. Uh, if the dog will do it or you have the place to do it, obviously swimming is probably one of the, our favorite exercises. We swim our dogs every week. Um, obviously when they're swimming, they're not, um, you know, not going to be hot and they can still get a lot of conditioning out of it. Yeah. We swim, yeah, we swim our dog. That's a really good, that's a really, and I, I try to take mine out and I'm sure a lot of the listeners will, will agree. I try to take mine out very early in the morning and then I take them out, um, later in the evening and maybe one quick one during the day, but but that mine are pretty conditioned to that. Now, 
and this is all great advice and you know you are the expert but where can the listeners go to learn more about you and learn about what you do and and or do you take on clients i mean if people do want this want training we do we have several different options on doing that and uh, everything that we do operates under CobraK9.com. It's easy to find, and uh, you can look us up, and people can reach out to us. And uh, if there's something that we can help them with, we'd be glad to do so. Well, Jeff, I thank you so much for being our guest. I thank you for all you've done for our country. And my gosh, thank you for all you have done with the animals. And to learn more about Jeff, you can go to his website. But also, there's this great, inspiring book, Franklin, the Man Behind the United States Commando Dogs by Matthew Duffy. I'm telling you, once you start reading that book, you are not going to be able to put it down. And you're going to say, I just listened to that to that guy and he was talking about when to bring your dogs out during the day and he trained these dogs to do that it's like (laughs) so amazing what you did i have to thank you and i thank you for being our guest you've been a wonderful guest and you've given us great information and uh again if if people want to go get that book you will not be surprised you'll be so happy you got it and i'm telling you i'm going to be watching the movie they got to make a movie out of this well thanks for having me i really appreciate oh it's our pleasure thank you very much and we'll be back in just a moment Oh, sure. It's all fun and games until someone ends up in a cone. That's right. We are animals. Deal with it. Pet Life Radio. Live life unleashed. Hello, everyone. Miss Olive and Sophia the Doggy Diva are so happy that their first book in the Doggy Diva Diary series, Miss Olive Finds Her forever home is now available at online book retailers so please visit miss olive and sophia at www.thedoggydiva.com that's d-o-g-g-y-d-i-v-a to order your copy now and they hope that you love reading miss olive finds her forever home as much as they loved writing it thank you we would like to thank our guests this week And also, as our doggy divas always say, please love your pets because they love you unconditionally. And please remember to adopt, foster, spay, neuter, and microchip. And as always, please have a great Diva Week, everyone. That's all for this episode of the Doggy Diva Show. To find out more, go to our website, thedoggydiva.com. Also, find us on our Facebook page, The Doggy Diva Show and tell your fellow dog lovers about it. Don't miss Susan Marie, Miss Olive, and the Doggy Divas right here for the next episode. See you again soon. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.